93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in on this uh, beautiful weekend. Uh, lots of things to talk about. Uh, I've invited former state representative Chuck Basie to join me uh, in the studio. This has been a a week where there has been a lot of chatter around town about uh, our local school district. And so we want to continue that conversation and maybe get to the bottom of a couple of issues. Uh, but also uh, kind of uh, as the legislature is sort of approaching the midpoint of their, their season, their session. Uh, I kind of wanted to ask Chuck about a few things going on with the state legislature as well, even though he's no longer a member of that, I guess, body. But uh, uh, Chuck, tell our listeners, first of all, thank you for being here. Great to have you. Always good to be with you. Thanks for taking time to come in and uh, tell folks a little bit about your background. Remind people where you grew up and and, uh, your military service and how you uh, ended up as a state representative. Well, it's uh, I, I grew up in the St. Charles area for the most part, mm-hmm. St. Charles, Missouri, and uh, at the age of 17 and a half years old, I thought the thing to do is to drop out of high school and enlist in the Marine Corps. Wow. And at that particular time, my mom and dad thought that was a great idea mm-hmm. because I was not doing what I should have been doing as a young man. I wasn't uh, uh, paying attention to school. Mm-hmm. I was skipping school. I was just acting Were up. Were you a trouble child? Uh, not really. I had it. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had every opportunity in front of me. My dad would have paid my way to any university that I probably wanted to go to, but mm-hmm. uh, I was foolish enough that I didn't realize it. Yeah, and your but, dad was an educator, is that right? Uh, he was a university professor. He okay, taught mechanical engineering at a graduate level. Yeah. So um, I did my four years in Marine Corps. Got out. Worked for a private investigator for a while, and and then uh, when Ronald Reagan. President Reagan fired the controllers. Yeah. I applied with the FAA, and, and then I, I had a 27-year career with the uh, federal government. Yeah, very so, good. So um, it was a great career. but And I, you're a farmer, a Boone County farmer. Is I that right? A, I have a small farm out by Roachport, yeah. and uh, my brothers have farmland. My dad mm-hmm. uh, is not active anymore, but we still uh, do a little row cropping yeah. to help with some local farmers. Yeah. And uh, are you also in Howard County or just in Boone County? Uh, my farm is strictly in Boone County, but okay. we have property just uh, two miles north where I live in, in Howard. Okay, yeah. very good. Um, you served for a state rep as a state representative for a full eight years. Is that correct? That's correct. And that, then you were limited out, term limited out. That yeah, at the end of last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have most recently gone to work for Congressman Blaine Luktemeyer. That is correct. Uh, tell us what you're doing for him. Well, I am uh, uh, what they call a field representative, so. When he is in Washington, D.C., I go to events on his behalf, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's chamber meetings, luncheons, things of that nature. Uh, I do a little bit of constituent work, but not a lot, like the other uh, office mates that I have. But when he is back in the district, I actually travel with him uh, mm-hmm. to areas that, that he is invited to and, yeah. and meetings and such that. So that um, that's very time-consuming, but I really enjoy it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you have decided to throw your name. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't easy uh, to throw your name into the race for school board uh, in Columbia. And um, 
you had to go through the legal process to get your name on the ballot. And we won't we don't necessarily need to rehash that story, but uh, you are on the ballot. And so I kind of want to uh, we're going to spend the second segment talking about really why you're running for school board and, and some of the, the key issues that, that people are saying. We might get to some of that this hour, but but I want to ask you about some of the legislation <clears throat> that is currently working its way through the the legislature right now. But Senate bill um, was uh, passed onto the House yesterday or sometime earlier this week uh, regarding the uh, parents bill of rights. So I know that over the course of your term in the legislature, you found yourself sort of going head to head with the Columbia Public School District, primarily over parental rights and what the, the parents had um, <clears throat> access to and so forth. Help us understand, get our heads around, because all, all we've been hearing uh, is about uh, in the local media and and from local school board members uh, is this uh, uh, great effort to somehow suppress the rights and the opinions and the feelings of um, transgender students and, and people that are uh, not uh, not white. So. Help us understand what what is the parental bill of rights. Well, that that is Senate Bill Four, I believe, and um, it it's it has many components to it. But I think the main emphasis emphasis of that bill is the parental bill of rights. And so, what what that will do, it will allow parents to have more access to their children's education. And uh, right now, in many school districts, that's just not happening. Well, what does access to education look like? Well, um, <clears throat> for for we had a good example here recently in Columbia where uh, they did some things at a diversity breakfast mm-hmm. that the parents weren't fully informed on. Now, yep. I don't know if that parental bill of rights would fix that, but but um, a lot of parents are just completely shut out of the process. They don't have access to uh, school buildings and uh, the uh, curriculum that is placed in front of those children. And uh, they, I think parents should have full access to just about everything the school is doing. Is, what, is it, one of the issues that you got very active on, and, and it had to do with um, parents who had children with special needs, and, and I don't remember the, the acronyms for all the different types of, of things that were, were happening, but but basically, if, if a parent who had a special needs child in the Columbia Public Schools wanted to record, for lack of better words, that parent-teacher conference or that session that sort of reviewed their child's progress, uh, they were told by the school district that they were not allowed to record that. Is that correct? That audio record. Audio record. Right. And they were not allowed to do that, even though it's permitted by law. Could they video record? No. Okay. No. And so no recording at all. Right. Okay. Right. But we, we got that passed. And I think we would have, would have had it passed in one year, but COVID kind of interrupted a lot of legislation. Yeah. But um, that... That was a bill that really um, shouldn't have been very controversial. The school districts, I believe, were worried about uh, uh, you know litigation, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. But they have that problem now. Even yeah, and a lot of parents just can't afford to hire a lawyer. And mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, many parents that have disabled children or children special needs have a disability themselves. So it would help not only the parents, but the, the child, of course, mm-hmm. and we were able to get that uh, uh, taken care of. Yeah, there were some concerns, and I think it was appropriate. Of uh, some teachers were a little concerned that um, they uh, they might be liable. Uh, so we we tweaked the, the legislation, mm-hmm. and and I think at the end uh, it was not very controversial at all. Yeah, yeah, and so basically. Um, 
uh, the desire was, it's like when you've been diagnosed with cancer and you go in and talk to the doctor, well, you, it's really hard to concentrate on what the doctor is saying to you because the emotions are really running high. Right. And I think the same is true for those parents. Uh, so if I can go back and listen to this conversation, I remember when my wife went through cancer two times, uh, our doctors, both at Missouri Cancer and at Siteman Cancer Center in St. Louis, were said, yeah, no problem. You're happy. Feel free to record this conversation. You know, they, they got it. Mm-hmm. I did. And you know what? They're, they have much higher risk of being held liable for something than a teacher does. You know what I mean? And so I, I just didn't quite understand the logic of that whole uh, issue. Right. And when I first uh, heard of this, this problem from some of the parents, I, I thought of IEP meeting is what they're called or yeah. section 504. I yep. thought they were just uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes long. Some of these parents have these meetings that, that last hours. Uh, one parent said they, they went eight hours and they didn't finish. Wow. So um, it depends on the, the nature of the disability, of course. But, um, you know, the, 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 the parents uh, need to have this information to review it because, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, again, it depends on what is facing their particular child at the time but mm-hmm. uh, so how did this become a a statewide issue how did this become something that the the senate saw as a priority uh creating a parent's bill of rights what 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 are the forces that led to that well we 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 had bills moving last year mm-hmm. in, in both sides same type of uh bills but because of redistricting a lot of this stuff got kind of pushed aside at the end mm-hmm. so um it's a priority for many senators and many reps, and I think it's going to pass this year. Uh, a lot of good education bills are going to pass this year, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So, yeah. um, What is the legislation? Uh, you know, on Monday evening, uh, school board member Catherine Sasser uh, walked out of the meeting. Uh, there, I think there was some confusion about whether she was resigning from the school board or just walking out of this meeting. But she made some reference to the fact that she had spent, um, you know, uh, all of this time in Jefferson City because there were 18 pieces of legislation that were attacking, uh, you know, uh, transgender t- children. Um, what what do you um, uh, what are they talking about? What are, what are the pieces of legislation that would threaten? Uh, and I'm going to get the initials wrong, but I, th- I think it's LGBT uh, or could be. It could be some variation of those five right. but but what what is it that that is at risk here? Well, first of all, I'm going to just say this, get it out of the way. Um, Catherine Sasser said that there were some uh, she was getting some very uh, inappropriate emails. Uh, I don't you know, know about that, right? What yes. inappropriate emails and, are like? And I I got to believe her that. And if if they're attacking her child, no matter what you feel about yep. their situation, yep. that is inappropriate, right? And, and it shouldn't happen, but. Believe me, you get a lot of very nasty emails when you're in public office, mm-hmm. as you probably realize. So, um, <laughs> I, I usually print them off. I've got a file I can share with people yeah, if they're interested. I, I feel bad that that happened to her, and mm-hmm. I actually think that that probably did happen because mm-hmm. of uh, how crazy people are. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I do got to disagree with what she said that these are uh, these bills are uh, not canceling anybody. They're not saying these people don't have a right to believe the way they want to believe or think that they're a, a different sex or whatever it might be what they're doing is they're they're trying to protect children um for the sports transgenders and sports for I, I actually carried that legislation three years um i, I think it is extremely inappropriate inappropriate for a biological male 
to compete in girls only sports right that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. it's taking opportunities away from those those young women that work oftentimes many years to get to where they are to be successful in a sport and so there's legislation uh, being proposed that would do that that would right. keep biological males from competing in women's only sports that's, that's correct and that's what they think is uh, why their children are under attack that's one of them okay there's another one that uh, i'm familiar with a couple of my uh, former colleagues have filed that would uh uh, not allow a minor 18 years or, or younger to have right. any kind of altering sur- surgery. In other words, having their breast cut, cut off or, yep. or uh, uh, a sexual part of their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. You know, because oftentimes that is uh, life altering, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know quite a few people that uh, have really regretted that decision. Yeah. And um, it, any parent that does that, I think, uh, really should uh, rethink that uh, yeah there was an interesting article published this week you know discovery uh, discovery I, maybe that's not the right word but discovery uh, by most of us at wash U, who is a very respected esteemed institution in our state has this basically transgender program and maybe that's not the right word but um and a nurse who identifies as a lesbian and is married to a transgender male slash female um and so you know she really uh isn't coming from exactly the the white uh, christian evangelist uh, perspective uh on on this issue but you know she basically went public with with sort of what the the horror stories associated with what people are doing to children yeah i, I read uh, quite a few articles on that mm-hmm. so a lot of moving pieces here fred but i i again i'm not in the legislature anymore but talking to my old uh, colleagues my friends uh, i think this is going to uh, make it to the governor's desk this yeah, year. So yeah. we're we're trying to protect children, and and I, you know, um, there's a lot of analogies you can use, but I would not let my child that uh, cut off one of their fingers or mm-hmm. their nose or yeah. their ears. Yeah. So why would you let a young woman uh, have surgery to remove her breast that yeah. will never grow back? Right. It's just uh, let them get to an age of an adult where they can make their own decisions yeah. and. And if they want to play with Barbies, let them. If they want to play with G.I. Joe dolls, let Absolutely. them. I mean, just let them go through those stages of life. I, I think it's sort of, you know, it, it's it's just natural for kids to have curiosities. Right. And so, and they'll have those curiosities until they are adults. Yep. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's just bizarre that we would do something so life-altering but but again you know uh, i guess i shouldn't judge i've been fortunate enough not to find myself in that position but but i i do you know uh i don't see that any of that legislation as, as attacking uh kids that are, are that are in that transition or want to be in that transition right. and so um it it is uh, something that is sort of mind-boggling to me so you mentioned that the parent parental bill of rights is omnibus legislation, which I'm sure as a state rep who suffered through COVID, um, uh, that's a dirty word. I, I think that uh, you get so many things tacked on to those omnibus bills that have nothing to do with the original intent of the legislation. Uh, so what does that mean? Does that mean the governor's not going to sign that when it gets to him? Well, it depends. Uh, they, you know, they work, uh, legislators work with the governor's office when a, a bill is approaching finalization. And um, a lot of that stuff might get taken out if the governor yeah. uh, or either body of the legislature has a problem with it. Yeah. 
When we come back from this break, we'll continue our conversation with uh, Chuck Basie, uh, former state representative who is now running for Columbia Public Schools. We'll talk about why he's running for the school board. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. This is 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry uh, in the studio this weekend with Chuck Basie, former state representative and someone who has decided to throw his hat in the ring uh, to be a member of Columbia's Board of Education. Uh, you are one of seven candidates That's uh, running, and uh, uh, you had to go through our local judicial system to be put on that ballot. Um, uh, just real quick, just what, what, what was the lessons learned from that experience of, of having to fight to get your name on the ballot? Well, it... it uh if that had gone another way, if the if the judge had disagreed with my position on that, it would have had statewide implications. So yeah. In other words, it would have sent messages to other school districts. Uh, by the way, most of the districts in Missouri are conservative-leaning. Um, so it could have worked the other way. Mm-hmm. So they could have changed their filing uh, procedures to suit their needs. And uh, so I'm glad the judge ruled uh, in that manner. Uh, there were... A couple of my former colleagues that were really watching this close, they mm-hmm. were prepared to uh, change the, the law the way it was written, but they don't have to do that now, yeah. I don't believe. Yeah. So anyway, I, I decided to get into the race because there there was, I, I love John Potter, but I, I wanted to have uh, voters have one other person that they would feel represented their values uh, mm-hmm. a little more. But I'm, I'm hoping John is successful. He's a, a great man. Yep. And, uh, but, um, so now I'm on the ballot and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Go forward. So, uh, there are three positions, uh, being vacated on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, not vacated. Two of them are being vacated. One is up for reelection. Uh, resignation of Helen Wade and, uh, uh, David Seaman. David Seaman. Um, and then, uh, Chris Horn is up for reelection. And, um, so it's, it's been, what, what was the primary motivator for you in terms of just getting into that race? What was what was the driving factor? Well, there's no. It hadn't been this way for for years. There's no um, conservative voice. There's you know they talk about diversity. Well, um, there, there's no political diversity on that uh, on that school board. Mm-hmm. So th- th- I, I think there's it's kind of a, a three tiered uh, approach that I'm taking. They have a problem with transparency and accountability. Um, the academic scores for the district are absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. And um, again, th- th- there's no voice that represents parents that think like I do mm-hmm. on that on that board. They have treated citizens terribly, including myself, and uh, that needs to stop. You know, I, I, one of the things that is indisputable is, uh, and it's quantifiable. And uh, it's in writing, black and white. It, there's there's really no debating it. Our test scores have fallen dramatically in the last five, six, seven years. Yeah, before COVID. And, um, you know, and, and you look, and they were in a bit of a downward slide uh, even before COVID. And and you look at that, and, and I, I think about, you know, all my years with the Columbia Chamber of Commerce and all the things that we, we talked about to people about why you should move to Columbia, Missouri. And, you know, the number one thing we always talked about was was the quality of schools and the quality of the life. Well, 
you know, if you look at us compared to the 14 other districts that we compare ourselves to all the time and just statewide, um, wow, we are not doing very well as a school district. No, we're not. And um, especially for minority kids and low income students, mm-hmm. are, the, the scores are just absolutely deplorable. And uh, the last stats I saw, um, they have a graduation rate that is very respectable, 89%. Mm-hmm. But for example, in uh, mathematics, 40% uh, of the children in the district are proficient or higher. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that means 60% are, are leaving school, uh, not proficient in math. Mm-hmm. And the scores are very, very similar to uh, English language arts and science. So um, with low-income students, or uh, which many are minorities, uh, that stat in mathematics is 13% are proficient or higher okay and so do the math here that means that 87 percent of the low income and minority students graduating from columbia public schools that, if they graduate that's right um uh, are not proficient and so so they're leaving school not prepared to go into the workforce or to go to another uh educational endeavor where it's whether it's community college or uh, tech school mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Jeff Lashley told me, um, actually I heard it at a forum, but I, I verified it with Dr. Lashley. This was two or three years ago that, um, the children that enter the community college system, uh, 40%, 40% of those are proficient in math. So very similar to the numbers we have in school, in public schools in Columbia. So that means, uh, those other children have to take some kind of remedial math to proceed in their educational endeavor. Mm-hmm. Postgraduate, post high school. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, he said it's overall, it's 60% of those kids entering community college need to take some form of remedial training or a coursework. Yeah. That, and, why is there not more outrage about that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just sort of, I mean, how can anybody hear that stat, uh, that has been circulating around the community and say, why how is that okay and and and, and i guess the the second the follow up question on this is why are more people not going to the ballot box to vote when 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 the school board is on the on the ballot you yeah, know right. we, we have a 23% turnout right yeah and there's really nothing on the ballot uh, this year that uh, is going to drive people to the the polls but we're going to do some outrage we, yeah. outreach we we got some plans on how to get more people out to vote and well, I think having Chuck Basie on the ballot is going to bring out the crazy, most liberal, militant people you can imagine. So they're going to come vote. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> and I would guess that maybe some of the uh, people in our listening audience that are lean a bit more conservative would say, yeah, I better go vote because I want Chuck Basie on that school board. And um, you can vote early, two weeks before the election. You can get, go down there and get a no-excuse absentee ballot. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no reasons not to vote on April 4th. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, test scores, uh, transparency, which we've talked about. Um, the uh, interesting post uh, last week on Facebook by the president of the Columbia Board of Education, uh, David Seaman. Um, did you happen to see that post? I did. Okay. Um, what was your impression of that? I mean, what what did you? I I couldn't read it on the air because of the FCC rules. But but what what is it that people? Uh, what was your response to that? What was your takeaway? Well, it was, it was surprising. I like David. I, I don't know him well, but I've met with him before. Actually, when he was getting ready to run for office, um, the school board mm-hmm. we met at a coffee shop and talked. Um, we have a similar background as far as our military experience. He was in the Marines, and mm-hmm. uh, of course, I was too. 
um, I was surprised by it. It was pretty strong worded. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of frustrations built up uh, mm-hmm. with uh, his approach to posting that. But, yeah, much but, of uh, what he said was absolutely true. Uh, and in terms of the way that people treat elected officials and, and public officials, I mean, right. th- there is that. But it's sort of um, that's just sort of part and parcel of, of being an elected official. When you when you decide you're going to run, you better be prepared to take a a lot of abuse right. from people who have no idea what they're talking about. But they just hate you because either you're white or you're black or you're fat or you're skinny. You have red hair. You have no hair. Right. I mean, people are going to just hate you for uh, any number of reasons, and they're going to take it out on you. Um, but it sounds like he let it get to him. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, he'd probably be the one to explain it a little more. But um, I, I was I was very surprised of the. It, it was very strong worded. So, mm-hmm. well, um, to me, it sort of points to that and uh, the very dramatic uh, exit of Catherine Sasser at Monday school board meeting. It it points to a very dysfunctional school board. There are some major, major issues. The other thing that sort of backs up this dysfunctional school board is that when it came time to renew Superintendent Brian Yearwood's contract, three of the eight members abstained. Now, why would you ever abstain? Uh, Help me understand why people abstain on a vote of yes or no to renew the superintendent's school, school yeah, contract i'd have to ask those people that did that but, how, uh, how would you have voted if, <clears throat> if that question were before you um i probably would vote no yeah um i you know i had uh, dr yearwood on this program about a year ago and i was impressed uh i felt like yeah this guy this guy knows what's wrong with the school district he really does he he sees it and it wasn't his fault you know he was still in his honeymoon when he was on the program but i have seen him in in the last year just cave in uh to some of these crazy school board members and um and you know i've i've invited him now three times to come on this program to talk about things and he is he has said no and he's too busy uh and he's had all the conversations he's going to have with community leaders about the drag con the drag queen show you know and so and i don't even want to talk about the drag queen show i want to talk about the way he responded to parents it's not i don't i don't care about the drag queen show doesn't it may yeah it's really not something i would have done at a martin luther king breakfast you know if i were in charge (laughs) but by all means uh, the way that they just treated parents who were upset and the the response to the governor, the response to the attorney general was so defensive and so inappropriate. It was very obvious that Brian Yearwood did not write a word of that letter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It uh, it surprised me. It, he, uh, um, you know, he's a nice guy. I, I, I like him uh, personally, but I, I, I think we have a terrible void of leadership in this district. Mm-hmm. So um, he he has to have the strength of character to stand up and say, "Yeah, I realize you've got that agenda, school board member number four, right? Uh, but you know what? That's not what we're here to do. We're we're here to give our kids the best po- our scholars, yeah, the they, best possible education, right? They've they, they treated some parents, uh, in my opinion, terribly, terribly bad. And school board meetings walked out on on one woman again. It was it looked like it was planned. She was right in the middle of her public comment period. She was a little angry. She was. Uh, she didn't say anything inappropriate. Who, who she, walked out? Uh, the school board did. The whole they, school board. Yep. It was. Uh, she was about halfway through her three minutes. They turned her mic off, and all of a sudden, they all got up and walked out on this woman. 
Um, Did that make the news? I, I, I saw oh, yeah. missed it. Well, that. It, okay. made, it made some of the news. Okay. Outlets. Yeah. And wow. then, uh, there's another example where this is back during the, the heating, uh, heated discussion about masking. Yeah. There was a local dentist that had children in the school district. He was just there advocating for his kids to get them back in the classroom. And um, <clears throat> he had the audacity. Now, this is a Army veteran. I believe he retired out of the Army. Local dentist, very successful practice. Um, he had the audacity to go beyond his three minutes to try and finish what he was trying to articulate to the school board. Mm-hmm. They had him escorted out of the room by the law enforcement that, that were there. I find that absolutely uh, disgusting. Yeah, that should never happen in this country. To where you, now, if he had been threatening them or uh, whatever, that, that'd be different. But he was just trying to advocate for his kids. Yeah, and uh, that's the kind of stuff that needs to be. Uh, it, it needs to stop. Yeah, there's a major disconnect. That's right, and uh, a lot of parents they, they can't even get uh, a chance to speak now. Yeah, and uh, there's a lack of uh, responses. Now, I got to defend some of these people that that there's some individuals that send countless emails um, to school board members, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can't reply to all those. But yeah. when somebody has a legitimate problem, they deserve a response. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think. Uh, well, it's going to come out because I'm going to mention it quite a bit. I think one of the biggest problems we have in uh, the school district is the communications officer. Mm-hmm. That's um, Michelle Bombstock, that is correct. Uh, who was she, a, a member of the planning committee for the diversity purpose. Right. But even though she reports directly to Dr. Brian Yearwood, yeah. uh, he had no idea there was going to be a drag show at the diversity breakfast. Yeah, right. She, I've sent emails asking a, a specific question to the board and to Dr. Yearwood and uh, through a sunshine request. I never had a reply. Mm-hmm. Um, she directed, just an hour or so later, directed them, uh, the school board members, Dr. Yearwood, do not reply to this email. Now, she might have been told to, to say that, but I've never gotten an explanation for yeah. that. I think that's, uh, it was not, it was a very appropriate question yeah. that I asked. I, I have to remind Boone County citizens that 86% of the money that they the check they write every year for property taxes now unfortunately so many people have escrowed their property taxes they don't see how big that bill is you know right. they're not paying attention they don't you know if you had to go down there if the property's paid off and you have to go down there and write that check it's it's pretty shocking 86 percent of the uh sales uh the personal property tax that is collected also goes to the school district and so you know here we are giving 86 percent of the money that we are giving to our local governments is going directly to the columbia public schools i sort of feel like we we deserve better we we right. um we, we've earned it. We've earned yeah. the right. That's why you'll never hear them complain about homeschoolers or sending your kids to private school because yeah. they still get that money. Yeah, yeah. It's just a windfall for them. Yeah. That's Chuck Basie, uh, former state representative running for school board. When we come back uh, from uh, the, uh, the break here, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of the things happening in our school district and, and some of the things that are on the legislative agenda. All of that and more is coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with the former state representative Chuck Basie, who has uh, thrown his name into the ring to run for school board. We've been talking about some of the uh, actions of the school board. Now, I I will uh, remind our listeners that I, uh, in the... um, uh, in, in this, uh, 
utopian uh, world of trying to be fair and balance, I have invited Dr. Brian Yearwood onto this program um, and uh, have given him multiple options uh, when he could come in, and uh, he has declined to do so. So, um, so I, I, I really feel like. Um, that Dr. Yearwood has become a part of the problem just because I, I wrote a, a, a Facebook post this week that uh, got a little bit of attention. And, and one of the things I, I point out is that he's, he's in a very complicated relationship with his school board right now. Uh, three of the eight uh, voted to abstain. One of the eight voted no to re- renew his contract. And uh, that leaves him with a very slim Majority and in my mind, the abstain vote was really the same as a no vote. So he really had four no votes, and mm-hmm. and uh, but it's just to me a little um, shocking that he doesn't take a stand uh, with, with his own school board. And and I know that he works for them, but I guess that's one of the things that we need to change on April fourth is that we have an opportunity to replace three of the seats uh, with people that are going to be a little bit more reasonable. Um, but. One of the things I want to ask you about is just sort of the current level of discourse. Um, it, it is combative. And I, I really, and I, I'm, I'm looking at my Facebook post from this week and, and I'm looking at, you know, the majority of the people ag- agree with what I'm saying because I, I wasn't, you know, I, I felt like I really laid out a very common sense argument by why that we can do better. But the people that, um, you know, that get on there and I, I don't care. I was in politics and I've been in media for, for so many years that and people say horrible things to you all the time. I'm sort of just used to it. You know what I mean? So it doesn't really bother me. In fact, it probably encourages me. Uh, my wife says I, it, it encourages me in the wrong way, but you know, why the discourse? Why is it so ugly? Why are these people, why do these people want to put their sexuality up front and center and, and the whole world is about, their sexual preference. Why, why is that so important? Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, Fred. And you're right. It is getting uh, it's getting very, very hard to serve in public office. Um, but I, I don't know if it's social media or what, what have you, but um, a lot of the, the comments are uh, hard to take. And, uh, you know, and I think just based on what I've seen from some of my former colleagues when when Sarah Walsh lost her husband uh, I could not believe the the hate that was directed at her mm-hmm. people were actually celebrating his death mm-hmm. um, I got it a little bit when my mother passed away but not nearly like Sarah got mm-hmm. uh, Sheree is attacked on a regular basis just some vile stuff on social media directed toward those women so um, you know people are very very hateful I guess when you're behind a computer keyboard or on your iphone and not feel pretty brave in front of somebody uh, it, it gives you a little bit of uh, avenue to say some things that you probably wouldn't say to their face yeah i mean it's pretty clear to me this week that some of the comments that the people had clearly not even read my post but yet they were just uh, yeah. going to attack and, and that's kind of the way the way it is one of the things i worry about and you, you look at the amount of money and again people don't know this because they escrow their property taxes but i think if people had to write a check Every December 31st and hand deliver it to the yeah. county collector. I think they would think more about this, but, um, it is, I mean, look, I mean, I, 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 it is shocking how much money we're giving to our school district. Are they good stewards of, of our financial resources in your opinion? I don't think so. Okay. I think, Tell uh, me why. You, you, well, um, it's, it's always kind of, uh, 
bothered me the the uh, the way they spend money here in Columbia. Now, granted, it's a big district. I get that, but Columbia Public Schools has things that the other neighboring districts don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet in a very nice plush building. Uh, they got the big screen TVs. They got very comfortable chairs that they sit in. Outlets for their electric cars. Yeah, that's right. There are just uh, so many things that they do that yeah. is totally unnecessary. And uh, other districts, uh, I think, operate in a much more efficient way. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement on that. Mm-hmm. And again, that's that's what they're missing. They don't have somebody that calls this stuff out um, when they they uh, they meet. They just it, there's a lot of seven to nothing votes on that school board. Yeah. I hear they have a very sophisticated taste in coffee. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was on the, on the agenda this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a uh, line item uh, contract for a, a business called Camacho Coffee, and it looks like they're going to have uh, fresh coffee and uh, with all the flavored creamers and uh, sweeteners and all that. And, and this uh, was a coffee company that started here in Columbia, but it's been since bought out by a large conglomerate. I, yeah, I, and, I uh, never heard of them yeah, until that night. Yeah. But... Um, but you know, I don't know. I uh, fifteen grand, and that's I think a starting point okay, for so just fifteen for, grand for the coffee. F- fifteen thousand. Yeah, um, and that's at the Aslan Administration building. Only. No, one uh, building only. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So wow, there are some coffee drinkers. Yeah, here. but um, I, I just uh, if you want coffee, you need to bring your own, or or maybe bring a coffee pot. Yeah, um, and you know, buy your own coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a lot of Folgers. Fifteen thousand yeah, dollars. That's right. So. <laughs> It, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So. Um, when you um, when you look at uh, some, there, there's been quite a bit of talk, uh, and I, I can't remember the name of the institute at the University of Missouri, who um, um, pointed out that that we're spending about um, uh, the the amount of money we're spending per pupil in, in Columbia Public Schools. Do you do you know what that number is or what I'm talking about? It, yeah, it's, it, um, it's a Show Me Institute. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah um, that's a very good tool, by the way, uh, that the Show Me Institute uh, developed. I think it's about eighteen thousand plus yeah. per per student, okay. which is pretty high. It's uh, four thousand dollars higher per pupil, according to. Uh, uh, a wake up in Missouri program earlier this week. Uh, we're spending four thousand dollars more per pupil than Jefferson City. Yeah, um, it's, um, which maybe we shouldn't compare ourselves to Jeff City, but but uh, it is um, it that's a significant amount of money when you when you think about how many students we have in our district. Yeah, it's um, uh, they have a lot of resources here in Columbia, and I I I think they could really uh, become much more efficient with the resources they have available and save an awful lot of money mm-hmm. and. Uh, I I would like to know what they spend in litigation cost every year mm-hmm. by uh, by doing things that I think they don't need to do. And, yeah, the uh, lawyer that uh, they that they hired uh, to keep you off the ballot, uh, she was what? Where was she from? St. Louis? Yeah, the, I think Chesterfield area. And Does it was, the school it was, district not employ their own legal counsel? I don't, I don't. I guess we have a shortage of lawyers here in Mid Missouri, so oh, maybe they don't they don't want to pair favor you know picking favorites yeah. here in the, the community, but. Okay. Yeah, and um, they had another case where they hired a, a, a lawyer out of the Kansas City area for mm-hmm. another uh, dispute with a local uh, uh, man, Wayne Sells. Oh, yeah, they, Wayne Sells, uh, who um, said something about uh, NFL players uh, kneeling during the right, national anthem and, right. and expressed his own First Amendment right, you know, That's to correct. freedom to speech. And and, uh, um, and his he had a pretty good solution. He goes, if you don't want my name on your stadium, that's fine. 
he had paid a considerable amount of money uh, not yeah. that long ago to have his name placed on the football stadium at Rockbridge. Uh, he said, let's just uh, change the name of it to Veterans Memorial Stadium. Now, why Why do you think the school district, why did that get stuck in their crawl? Why Why did they not want to name it after veterans? I don't know. That's a That was a quick decision they made by tearing his name down. And uh, he, he wrote him a check for a hundred grand. A uh, former athletic director just called him one day and said they wanted to put in an art- artificial field at Rockbridge. And he, without even hesitation, wrote him $100,000. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people can do that. No. Nope. And uh, that was very... they, a lot of people. Not a lot of people will do that. Right. You know what right. I mean? There's a lot of things you can buy for $100,000. Yeah. Uh, and and then to be mistreated and disrespected yeah. and made to look like some kind of heathen by the school district is right. really uh, insult to injury. And I think his trial's coming up. Uh, this week, I believe, next week. Right. Yeah. And does he have a leg to stand on? Uh, only I, because uh, he uh, there was no formal contract, or what? What do you? What can you I say think about? He that? does. Oh, I, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I went through the the preliminary hearing, and uh, the, the judge made it pretty clear that the check was uh, as much of a contract as anything. Yeah. So uh, they cash his check, and and um, yeah. I, do do people. Uh, okay, I want to just shift gears because I, I want to just sort of visualize the future. Uh, you get elected in, in March, April, I'm sorry, April, and uh, you are one of eight voices. Okay. And now that's, seven. So there's seven members on the board. Oh, I yeah. apologize. Okay. Seven members. So, whoa, the math is even worse um, uh, on the the number of people who abstained from extending the superintendent's contract. So right. three of seven said no. Okay. So, or said they abstained. Um, so, how do you survive that? Uh, it's like a, a normal business person running for a local city council. I, I can't imagine they would, you know, I, I personally would uh, uh, keep a, well, I, I, won't, I won't say that on the air, but but how are you going to survive that being one voice of reason? Well, and I see that going into it. There'll be a lot of uh, six to one votes. I, I understand that. But being on the board, I'll be able to uh, receive information from constituents and articulate that for them. And they're not allowed to do that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be able to point out things like the Camacho coffee. I'll be able to uh, bring that to the attention and mm-hmm. really speak out against that kind of stuff. But the school district, that who's one of their core values is transparency, right. uh, has decided uh, that they want to limit the amount of time and the number of people that can make comment at a school board meeting. So you make everybody aware of the Camacho coffee situation, uh, but they really don't have any way to act on it. They can't show up mm-hmm. and be heard at a school board meeting. You have to get prior permission to speak uh, at the public comment And it's period. only for a, a small number of people, and, right, correct? And, and preference is given to items on the agenda. So uh, so how do you overcome that? I, I need to speak out against it. And if somebody wants something uh, brought up that they would like to have discussed, I intend to to do that for them okay and you know if i could mention mention real quickly the teachers i think are under a lot of stress right now mm-hmm. most of these teachers are doing a phenomenal job yep but um uh I, I they talk about pay which is important but i think the biggest problem is discipline in the classrooms and a lack of support from administrators. The, the administrators yeah and that came out of a msta survey that it's not just columbia it's statewide mm-hmm. uh the teachers need support yeah they need to be heard and they they need to quit retaliating against teachers that speak out yeah i think that's important that we say that when, when we're critical of columbia public schools uh it's 95 percent it, of our teachers are excellent and they Absolutely. contribute to a a very successful experience for our kids normally but when they are handcuffed and uh, kneecapped 
by a school board and a school district administration that is so out of touch right. and cares so less about so little about what's happening in the in the in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, it's a no win situation, and no wonder they're quitting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And right. and uh, no wonder they're 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 leaving in droves. And so um, I don't know, Chuck. Uh, we got a minute left. Uh, why should people go vote April fourth? Well, they need change. We need to have a voice on that board that's going to uh, speak for a lot of people are not being heard right now. Uh, I can be that voice. I can uh, I can help teachers out that are afraid to speak out, and I can help students that are also afraid to speak out. Mm-hmm. So, I, if I people want to know more them. about your campaign, your position, what is there a website or anything? Yeah, can go to? Um, it's www.chuck.com. Basie, B-A-S-Y-E, 47.com. Okay, ChuckBasie47.com. Yep. uh, Uh, B-A-S-Y-E. That's correct. Very good. Well, we appreciate you taking time out uh, to come in and talk with us and kind of give us an idea of what's happening in Jefferson City, uh, as well as what should be happening in our local school district. Uh, I tell you, it's uh, it's an embarrassment uh, to most of us who love this community. Um, And so we've got to create some change. This is Fred Perry signing off for the CEO Roundtable. Back next weekend, you've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it.